So ground rules today, this morning, um, if you have any questions on the back of your papers, there's a place where you can write down uh, or take notes, whatever you want to do. Let's also remember that um, on the beginning of each of these lessons is a scripture that would highly and I would highly encourage you guys to go ahead and memorize. Um, that way, at the at the end of this discipleship course, you'll have um, I think there's 20, 20 lessons, so twenty scriptures that'll be in your memory block that you can tap into. And it's good to it's good to memorize scripture. It's good to um, have that word hidden in your heart because you don't always have access to the to the Bible and uh, the more words you have in you in your in your mind and your thinking the better off you're going to be last week we talked about the new birth um, there were some pretty powerful revelations that we received from that if you want to know more about that lesson we do have a YouTube uh, I think it's on Instagram too. Uh, well, for Apple, sure. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. So if you wanna, if you wanna find out what that lesson was about, go ahead and uh, take a look at that. And uh, we got a yeah. I pray that you will be blessed. Yes. It's not like a you know me and you're talking. It's just basically. Dude, why not? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, hey, future is uh, future's looking good, so you never know where God's going to take it. You know, everything costs money. So. So I'm excited about this lesson here. This is lesson number two. Um, we talked about the born-again experience, what it takes to be born again, why it's important. And the reason why it's important is because the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 3 and verse 5 that in order to see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God, we must be born again. So it's not... It's not uh, it's not something, the kingdom of God is not something that you could sign your name to a card and say, I'm part of the church. That isn't, that isn't what being born again is. Born again is, it's an experience. It's a spiritual transformation in every human being that, uh, that is birthed into the kingdom of God. We get that scenario from being born of our mothers. I mean, we could say we're born into this world, but unless there's some kind of action that takes place, then obviously we're not born. Amen. And so the kingdom of God is the same way. Also, it has to be a, a supernatural birth. Since God's kingdom is spiritual. Sorry, I got my tooth pulled. Uh, there has to be a supernatural birth. It has to be a spiritual birth or spiritual transformation. And that could only happen if God uh, makes this available to us. So when someone says they were born again, um, there has to be a physical, visible manifestation of this occurrence. And you ask yourself, is it biblical? Absolutely, it's biblical. 
Um, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, you know, you must be born again, and you must be uh, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And we went through that whole scenario of how uh, Peter was gifted with this power uh, to receive the keys to open up the spiritual door for salvation to not just the Jews, but it was for every creature. Every And when the Bible talks about creature, it's literally talking about humanity. It's talking about man and woman. And so now we're into lesson two. And lesson two is basically, um, it's basically a new life, a new life in Christ. I'm glad that I'm part of this new life. I'm glad that, I, that God saved me. I'm glad that God brought me to a place where I could come to a decision, and it's a decision uh, whether I wanted to be part of this kingdom or not. Somebody once said, why does God allow things uh, into the human race? Why is there pain and sorrow and all these other things that you know, we see in uh, previous generations has experienced? Because the, the bottom line is, when man had the opportunity to serve God, he disobeyed. And because he disobeyed God, uh, the rest of humanity was infected by that decision. We can really bring that down to our own families. We have uh, a responsibility to obey the word of God. We can choose not to do that, but it will it will influence the decision of our children and our friends and those that are, uh, that are around us that are watching our lifestyle. Is, is this Christian life really what uh, we say it is? Or is it just, um, you know, physical calisthenics? It has to be more than that. It has to be a lifestyle. Uh, it can't be your old lifestyle. It has to be a new life. A new life in Christ. So there's a lot of people in our world today who are miserable because they because of the way they live their lives. Um, I know I was. I know I didn't like living in a world of drugs and alcohol, and you know, um, we're all men here, but you know, sleeping with girls and doing all these things that you know. Um, man and women do um you know it's it's pleasurable for a season but you know uh ultimately you know does it does it does it uh does it bring pleasure to god right. you know and that's really the bottom line we do this because we want god to be happy and god knows that if we continue in this life we're not gonna there's it's only temporary satisfaction which is ultimately destruction um, I know when I was uh, living in the world, um, and then I, I, I wanted a new life, um, I really wished that I could go back in time and just start over with some of the decisions I, I made. And in reality, when we're birthed into this new kingdom, we have the opportunity to do just that. We have the opportunity to start over. And it starts over with a a new birth. Amen. I like our next slide. Um, it says, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Everyone say all things. All things. Yeah. Everything, it, all things become new. Uh, what does that mean? It means a new way of thinking, a new perspective. You don't have to look at life like you did before you came to God, uh, before God started working in your life. God doesn't look at your life how you used to be. God looks at your life how you are right now and how uh, he can change the way we look at life, uh, a spiritual perspective. And so now that we, um, for the most part, have experienced the new birth, our next step is to learn how to walk, how to walk in this new plan of salvation. It's one thing to uh, be spiritually transformed, to have the Spirit of God living inside of you, going through the steps of baptism. It's one thing to have that and to experience that, but it's a whole nother world. It's a whole nother pathway of walking in it and living in it. That's why, um, that's why the epistles were written. The epistles were written because it gives us guidelines on how to live for God. The, the, the four Gospels were really designed to know the Lord, to, to learn about Jesus, to learn how he walked and talked on this earth for three and a half years. That's all it was. And, you know, it, 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 it talks a little bit about, you know, when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple, but it really doesn't give, give us an understanding of, of who he was from, you know, his, his, his birth all the way up to 33 years old. It really doesn't say a whole lot about him, but it does say a lot about him at 30 years old to 33 and a half years old. It, it talks about the miracles and it talks about um, uh, how he influenced and how he affected people and how he began to build his church, his disciples, because God ultimately had a plan and that plan was to have a people, a people that are called out by his name. Praise God. And that started when Peter was given the, king, given the keys to the kingdom. When I think about keys, um, keys are designed for a purpose. I got, I got a set of keys here. Each key is made differently. But the reason why keys are made is because they're made to open doors. They're made to unlock certain doors or lock doors. That's that's what they're designed for. That's what they're made for. Um, inside a locking mechanism, inside a lock, uh, there's what we call tumblers. And if you don't have the right key, those tumblers are not going to be tripped. If those tumblers are not tripped, guess what? you are not going to get in that wherever you're trying to get into, whether it's your house, whether it's a shed, whether it's the church. There's tumblers that are designed for each key, and as the key goes in, it trips those tumblers. And the important part is you want to get to the other side of the door. 
because on the other side of the door, there could be many rooms. There could be a lot of things on the other side of that door. There could be a treasure chest full of treasures. Um, who knows what's on the other side of that door? And in God's kingdom, God gives us keys. He allows us to have keys. But if the key isn't the right key and you don't understand that key and you try to put it in the wrong door, then you're not going to have access to what God has for you. And living for God can be like standing at a door. You're just, you're standing there. And so in this lesson, we want to, we want to step beyond the threshold, beyond the door, so we can enter into spiritual development. God doesn't save us to keep us where we are. God saves us so we can enter into a place of maturity where things that bothered you before won't bother you later on down the road because you will understand um, spiritual things. You'll understand where the attacks come from. A lot of people, you know, well, not a lot of people. Some people say, well, doesn't this affect you? Well, maybe in the past it might have affected me. But now I've learned because... I'm more aware of it because there are some rooms that I entered into because God has allowed me to experience things. He's given me keys and I've been able to identify, you know, what's going on. And as we grow in God and as we mature in God and as we learn the things of God and we learn how the attacks or where the attacks are coming from, we will learn how to identify. We will learn how to identify uh, things that come on come on our lives you know um and that's the whole purpose of this discipleship course to try to get an understanding and try to be aware of things coming and to help you develop help you grow growth will never happen if you don't take these home and you don't study them growth will never happen if you don't take the word of god home and you don't study it if it sits on a shelf and collects dust you'll never get beyond the place where you are right now. And so it is that there are doors in the kingdom of God, and in order to gain entry, we must trip these spiritual tumblers before we can experience God's blessing. Let's take a look at these tumblers or these thoughts. Um, the first tumbler would be knowledge, new knowledge, not old knowledge, not physical knowledge, but spiritual principles that God wants us to learn. I love receiving fresh revelation from God. I get excited when God shows me something brand new. It's, it does something. It, it, it makes me want to study harder. Uh, uh, it makes me want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Because every time God gives me a fresh revelation... I grow in God and my roots, my roots are planted deeper and deeper and deeper. And guess what? I get a better understanding of who Jesus is and it gives me a greater love for who he is. Do you know that you can talk with God and God can talk with you? When God filled us with the Holy Ghost, God gave us the ability to discern right from wrong good from evil, natural perspective, spiritual perspective. 
You might not know this, but there is no middle ground as we live for God or we live for the world. You might say, well, I don't know where I am. If you don't know where you are, then you're not in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. If you are straddling the fence because you're not sure that you want to live for God, guess what? You're not living for God. Because unless we're fully invested in kingdom things, then we're not really invested at all. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4 says, Whereby we are, giving, uh, we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these things we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What is lust? Lust is simply things that we crave, things that we want. And everybody has these lust things inside of them because we have this human nature inside of us. It's just like uh, drinking your, uh, what is that, Coke? You, you like Coke. It brings you pleasure. You, you lust, you crave after these things. It doesn't mean it's sin. And not everything that you crave after, not everything that you lust for is sin. But anything of too much can hurt the body. Saturation. Yeah, it, it can really hurt the body. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says we should walk in newness of life. That means when God says we can start over, we don't have to allow our old nature to control us. Our old nature no longer has dominion over us. What is dominion? It's having authority over us. When God gave us the Holy Ghost, he gave us power. He gave us strength. He gave us authority. So when sin tries to enter into our lives, we have the power to resist it. We have the power to say, nope, I'm not going to go to the bar anymore. Nope. I'm not going to drink that alcohol anymore. Nope, I'm not going to smoke weed anymore. We have the power to resist it. We have the power to resist the lust of the flesh, the things that we crave that are detrimental to the body, that will cause diseases or influences that, that try to enter into our thought process to try to stop us from living a good and wholesome and healthy life. Praise God. Somebody want to get me Luke chapter 9 and verse 62? Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. Amen. When God brings us into the kingdom of God, the worst thing you could do is reflect back on what life used to be and how you received pleasure from it. That's what the Israelites did. They wanted to go back to Egypt because they enjoyed the food and they enjoyed what they had back there. But what they really didn't grasp, I guess, is that they were still in slavery. Why would you want to go back and be a slave to the world? Even though you could partake in certain things and it was pleasurable, and it fed your belly, it fed your craving, it fed your desires, you were still in bondage. 
You were still in slavery. Instead of having dominion over these things, those things had dominion over you. Instead of having the power and the authority to say, no, I'm not going to partake of it, you basically laid down your life and says, yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's okay. God doesn't want you to have a life like that. God wants us to live an overcoming life. In our notes, read number six. Um, who has that? Think about that. It was more important than freedom. If there was a disease that they took out of Egypt when God released them, it was the disease of indecision. It was the disease of having a made-up mind. Where did they get that disease from? Where did they get that influence from? How was this part of their life? Well, you don't have to look any further than Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh at one point wanted to let the people go, and then he didn't want to let them go, and then he wanted to let them go, and then he didn't want to let them go, and then he wanted to let them go. He couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to do. And that thought process affected the entire nation of Israel. So when they were out in the desert and they were lacking in some areas because they thought that God had left them alone, God didn't leave them alone. God just wanted his people to depend on him. And because they lacked in certain areas, which wouldn't have killed them, God was just trying to strengthen them, strengthen their faith, depend and rely on God. They gave up and they wanted to point fingers at Moses. They wanted to point fingers. And by the way, when you point fingers at Moses, you're really pointing fingers at God. And it made God so mad, he wanted to destroy all the children of Israel. He wanted to destroy them all. It's just, let's just start over, Moses. But Moses, and this is just me, Moses in his wisdom knew, man, if he's going to destroy them all, he's going to destroy my brother. He's going to destroy my sister. He's going to destroy my family. And so he interceded. He interceded on behalf of not just his family, but the whole nation of Israel. Now think about that. When we, when we are indecisive in our walk with God, who does it influence? Who are we allowing uh, our decisions to affect? It's affecting our family. It's affecting those that are watching our lifestyle, when we're not faithful to the things of God, who is it affecting? Is our, is our walk with God really what we say it is? You know, real love, let me, let me just, real love is doing everything we can to bring our family and our children to the house of God and allowing them to have the relationship with God that we have with God. Now, I understand that people at a certain age have their own will. They're, they're going to make up their own mind, and that isn't always feasible. Trust me, 
I got three kids that are not serving God. I have grandkids that we have to bring to church because the parents won't do it. I understand that. But we do everything we can to instill these godly principles into their heart and into their mind. We, we take every opportunity we can to try to influence those around us, try to influence them with kingdom things. We can never get to the place where we think we've got it all figured out. And in fact, Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Again, it's easier said than done, and I get it. Because there's, there's a constant, you ever see the angel on one side and the, the devil on the other side of someone's shoulders speaking things into their mind? This is kind of how our next slide is. We are in constant conflict between our natures. Constantly. I want to go here. No, you can't go there. I want to go here. I can't go there. I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but there's times where I'm constantly fighting with myself. There's a lot of things I want to do, but I know if, if I really want to live for God, I'm going to choose not to do those things. I'm not going to go, Brother Tony, I'm not going to go and find me a girlfriend because my wife makes me mad. Why would I go find intimacy somewhere, intimacy somewhere else? Why would I do that? I know my wife. I love my wife. She's very good to me. Just because we have an argument or just because I don't understand her ways sometimes, there's no reason for me not to avoid her. To be mad at her. No way. I, my, my, my wife is good, just as your, your guys' wife is too. And we can bring God into that same dynamic. Why, would she, why, why do we get upset at God? You know, he, God has a place for us. It's called heaven. And it's beyond our wildest expectations what God has for us. And yet because sometimes we don't understand what God is doing in our lives, we become frustrated. And we're going and we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And we're being intimate with all the wrong things when true intimacy and true love is in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God. But in order to go there, it's, it's a constant, Paul said, you know, it, it's a constant fight. It's overcoming our no, old nature and, and constantly battling constantly battling with this old nature that tries to rise up. And so our new life begins um, with the old me getting out of the way and the new me having this nice, bright, bright day. You see, there's a, 
there's this old me that always tries to take control over the new me, but Jesus has separated me unto himself. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. When Jesus died on the cross, he allowed us to enjoy this place of sanctification. What's sanctification? It's really being separated from those things that were destructive in your lifestyle. He set us aside for a certain person, for a certain purpose, praise God. It means if our affections are focused on Jesus, we don't, I don't, you don't have to willfully sin. The danger is, and there's always a danger when we dive into this willfully sinning, if we sin willingly, there remains no forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? Doesn't God a forgiver? Yes, God is a forgiver. But if we're constantly going back and constantly allowing ourselves to be affected by this sin, eventually we come back to that place where God and Moses are having this argument. We don't ever want to get God or allow him to be in that place where he just wants to destroy everything. Why do we go back to that place that is destructive in our lives? We talked about repentance last week. Repentance is basically burning down that old structure, that old house that we used to live in. Uninhabitable. We can't go back because it's burnt down to the ground. If you go back, all you're doing is sitting in a, in a pile of ashes. I don't want to go back there. I want to enjoy the benefits that God has for me. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, however, if we sin, if we make a mistake, and we all do. I do, you do, and we will again. We go back to God, we confess. Why? Because he is just and faithful. I'm glad he's faithful. To forgive us our sins as he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is simply doing right works for God. I want to please God. I want to do whatever it takes to be pleasing in his eyes. Praise God. There can be no greater we shouldn't want to do anything greater than uh, living a righteous and holy life in front of God. If we can, if we can strive to, to live right, if we can strive for righteousness, Everything else you desire in life, I desire in life, God will bring into our life. He will allow things to happen. Amen. I'm not saying he'll give you everything you want. You won't get a brand new uh, Lamborghini. You might, but that isn't what he's talking about. He's talking about having a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of happiness. And say it again. A life of happiness when things are 
impacting your life when things don't always seem to go right. God will give you the peace and the power to persevere through these things. Again, your faith is going to be tested. Don't think that you're going to walk into the kingdom of God without being tested. That's not going to happen. Show me someone Show me someone that's living for God, that has victory in God, and I'll show you someone that has trials. Trials. Why? Because this is how God molds individuals. This is how transformation is made. Why are trials important to a Christian? Is because God knows that there are things inside of us that has to be weeded out, that has to be removed. And the only way that that can happen, Brother Tony, is if we go and if God uh, puts us in a place or allows us to be in a place where he can remove these things from our inner being. Praise God. So when you're going through a trial, you count it all joy. You count it all joy. You say, thank you, Jesus. Does it, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Does it feel good? No, it don't feel good. But the end result, I've seen people that have been through trial after trial after trial, and the peace that they have and the anointing that they have is such a profound, it's so profound, and I'm watching it and I'm saying, man, I almost I want to be like that, but without the trials, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that because there is a cost. There is a cost for spiritual maturity. And when you're invested in the kingdom of God, there's a price to be paid. Don't, do not be deceived. Living for God is not tiptoeing through the tulips. There are some times where you will tiptoe to the tulips, but in most instances, like Paul said, shipwrecked, stoned, beaten. Now, if these guys are tiptoeing through the tulips, I don't want anything to do with the kingdom of God. But you have to understand, every one of these disciples, they, they lived in a state where they were constantly being tested. Constantly. So, welcome to the kingdom of God. Praise God. And so it is possible to be tempted and still live an overcoming life. Um, if we learn how to control our mind, um, it's possible. This is why our priorities are now shifted into the church lifestyle. We learn how to shift our thinking at the house of God, where you were learn where you were taught different things about what you thought life was outside of the church. Now you've transitioned into the church, and you're learning new things. Praise God! You're tripping those tumblers so you can have access into what God really has planned for you. He wants to introduce you. You have a mansion, do you, do you not? You have a mansion, 
And in that mansion, there are many doors. There are many rooms. And as God teaches us in the house of God, in the church, amen, we begin to go through this house where we're experiencing different things. It's a new priority. It's with new priorities, a different way of looking at things. And we find that at the house of God. I'm not saying, and this is important, so don't take this out of context. I'm not saying just at the house of God you're going to learn. No, the lifestyle, kingdom living, is the house of God. You are the house of God. Judgment begins at the house of God, not the building, even though the building is part of it, but you are the house of God. We begin to judge ourselves. God, I read your word. It's applying to me. I'm allowing this to change my life and affection. With new affections, new priorities, and new knowledge, there is also new relationships. When you start living for God, you cannot allow old influences to affect your new nature. Because ultimately and eventually, you will fall. You cannot be part of your old nature. You cannot live on the fence and expect to have victory in kingdom life. In kingdom living. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm telling you from experience. New guidelines to spiritual maturity means involving ourselves with wholesome, God-fearing people. People with the same focus, the same goals, and the same desires. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says this, So faith cometh by hearing. You have to hear. Amen. What is hearing? Hearing is not just hearing, but hearing is absorbing. It's absorbing and it's putting those words that you've absorbed into action. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 25, not forsaking, watch this, the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And here's why, Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, how are we sinning willfully? By neglecting the people of God, by forsaking your brothers and sisters, the Bible says that's sin. Why is it sin? Because God lives inside individuals and you're pushing God away. You're not allowing you to be part of God and his people. You're removing the relationships that he's desired for you. For if we sin willfully after that we have received knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, I love a good meal. I love to eat food. Amen. And so it is with God um, and God-fearing people. We all need to participate. We need to be involved 
in a good, healthy diet, which really includes healthy food. What's healthy food? Well, it says in our slide, continue to keep yourselves familiar with the Word of God. Who can get me Luke chapter 4, verse 4? Every word of God. I like this slide here. It's got different parts that we partake of. A plate full of God's word and righteousness and love and all these other things. Luke 18 and 1 says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that man ought to always pray and not faint. We need to stay renewed, amen renewed daily with the bread of life because this is what produces new desires. When we come to church, we're involved in the things of God. It's creating new desires inside of us. It's changing our thought process. No longer are we trying to crave the things, the influences of the world, of our old life. God is replacing our old tree with a new tree. A new tree will be rooted in the Word of God. Our new tree will produce new character, a new character, a godly character. No longer will you want to partake of the things of the world. A new character will produce new fruit. Praise God. And when people see the fruit hanging off your tree, they're going to want to partake of that fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, Enjoy. What happened to that old man, they're going to say? What happened to that old nature? You used to be a liar and adulterer and a fornicator and all these things. And they see this transformation that has happened inside of you. You're not, you're not the same person. You don't talk the same way. You don't have cursings coming out of your mouth. You're not talking or you're not gossiping about other people, at least you're not, you shouldn't be. Those are old desires. Those are old thought patterns. We don't do that anymore. We live godly. Why? Because he sanctified us. He set us aside. We're set aside for a special purpose. With this new tree, new fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, patience, meekness, temperance, faith, goodness. All these qualities. Praise God. And people want to be around that. So continuing to serve God is a daily practice as we live a life that is separated unto God. Fruit producers can easily be recognized by their temples because their temples have been fortified. Fortified. It is, not, it is not enough to be born of the water and of the Spirit because our spiritual birth can only get us so 
far. There has to be a development in every one of us. And the only way that that can happen is when God begins to build our temple. There has to be a wall of protection. And we find that in the word of God. Fortification means uh, that, it, that our life begins with a prayer life that has been well established. Everyone say well established. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith or lifestyle, praying in the Holy Ghost. All of these are valuable principles that, um, that we cherish, that we need. Amen. All these are valuable principles that we must desire. Praise God. Another important aspect, another tumbler, if you will, is connecting yourself, involving yourself in the family of God. You have to be involved in the family of God. You cannot survive in a world where old desires are without having the strength of God's people in your life. You will not last, I promise you, you will not last. First John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. There was no intimacy there. There was no relationship there. John uh, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does appear uh, what we shall be, but when but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Because we chose to follow God's plan, and we are investing in God's plan. We are investing into this born-again experience. And if we are investing in this born-again experience, we are going to have to line up with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. There cannot, there will not be conflict with each other. That is totally contrary to what God wants. If someone offends you, you try to make it right the best. You're not always going to make it right. I'm sorry, you're dealing with human nature. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen to do the best you can. Ask for forgiveness. You don't pick it back up. You leave it alone. You leave it alone and you let God deal with it. Because the more you put your stinking hands on it, the worse it gets. And then you're five years down the road, well, why didn't they forgive me? Well, because <laughs> you kept putting your hands on it. You didn't give God the time to work on it. And believe me, my friend, when God works on it, it will be done correctly and there can be a restoration that we all want in our lives. Praise God. Living for God is being involved in God's kingdom. Uh, you might not know this, but it is a kingdom that is voluntary. Nobody is here because you're forced to be here. 
It's here because you've heard something, you've been influenced by somebody, God's Spirit has pulled you, and so you want to know more about God. And we, this happens when we, when, we, uh, when we find ourselves adapting, amen, uh, to God's kingdom, God's ways. Finally, the last tumbler that is key to strengthening our relationship with Jesus is uh, found in our next slide, which is being familiar with worship. Um, Psalms chapter 150 and 1 says, Praise you the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. I like that. Praise Him in the firmament. Firmament is above. Amen. That's the firmament. In the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the tremble and dance. Who, who believes that we can praise God with all these aspects uh, not being activated in the church? I want to go to a church where they're clapping their hands, where they're lifting their hands, where they're running the aisles, where they're jumping and shouting. There is a release. There is a liberated people, amen, that, that I want to be connected with. That has been released from slavery. Amen. Praise him upon the loud symbols. Praise him upon the high sounding symbols. Let everything that hath breath. Praise ye the Lord. And as the Lord continues to work with us. Ultimately we can be confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you. Will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. We can be confident of that. We can know for surety that God is constantly working with us. That God never gives up on us. Even when we feel like we're in a time of darkness, Brother Angelo, God is there. And his word does not lie, and his word says he will never leave us nor forsake us. We can be confident of that. Lord Jesus, I thank you, mighty God, for this word today. I thank you for this, these awesome men of God, these wonderful men of God, Lord. God, I ask you to keep your hand on them, Lord, as they go their separate ways. In Jesus, Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise God.